half-hearted, insecure prayer, while we know we are not heard of for much speaking, Matthew 6, 7, and 8. And it says, still we realize that our Father wants us to be earnest in our asking. Now, I'm not going to go to Matthew 7, 1 through 11, but we know in Matthew 7 and 11, it's talking about asking and, and how when you ask of your father, he's not going to give you a stone. And he's, first of all, you got to take the beam that is in your eye and you got to take the moat that's in your eye, out of your eye. And then you can pray and all these different things. But I do want to look at Matthew 6, and, uh, 7 and 8. And, it, and, and this is, 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 is uh, good scripture because it says, but when you pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Be not, be not ye therefore like unto them, for your father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. So what this scripture is saying is don't be babbling. God already know what's up. God already know what's going on. So sometimes we can go with all this much speaking, trying to impress God, trying to, trying to do all this and that. God already know what's going on. So that's why we can approach his, his throne calmly. That's why we can approach his throne with adoration before we even make our supplication on. Because he already know what's going on. So we don't got to be all cute. This Lord, you know, you know how we get, you know, your face get all, you know, twisted. Look like you're having problems, and God is saying, just, just relax. I know what your problem is. I know what you have need of. And because I know what you have need of, I don't need you to be making all this noise, amen? Because sometimes that's what we're doing. Um, you don't do it, you, know, you don't set out to listen to other people's prayers and different things. But sometimes you're you like, wow, what this person praying? You know, where they at? You're trying to just understand, like, you know, what's going on? It had, the prayer has nothing to do with nothing but nothing. That's what he's saying. Don't be just making noise when you pray. Come to this throne. Come to me. Let me know what's going on. And you don't have to be babbling. You just, God, you already know I have a need of rent payment. You already know I have need that my relationship with my husband need to be fixed. You already know, oh, God, that my kid need money to stay in college. You already know these things, God. So I'm just asking you to come speedily. Amen. I'm just asking you to come quickly to my situation. Amen. That's what God is saying. He don't want you trying to trying to, to, to make like it's all this and all that when he already know what's going on. Amen. So we must come to God in adoration and in supplication, giving thanks to God. Ephesians 5 and 20. Jason, you with me? You, you awesome, Jason. <laughs> giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of, Lord, of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians 20. That says, giving thanks always. No matter what situation you find yourself in, you're going to give God thanks. You're going to, God, I thank you. Right now, everything is all crooked and all messed up, but I'm going to thank you because you're going to make it straight. Amen. So I'm going to trust you. I'm going to continue to give you thanks always, not in the good times, but in the bad times also. Amen. See, that's something that I had to learn that, you know, you're not always going to be up on a mountain. You're not always going to have all your bills paid. You ain't always going to have a bank full of money. And sometimes it's going to be when you have nothing that you give God the best praise. Amen. Because, see, it's easy to praise God when everything's working right. It's so easy to come in shouting chests all out. But when, when all of that is stripped, can you still praise God? When you have no money in the bank, can you still give God praise? Can you still give him thanks? Can you still give him all the glory that's due his name? When you have nothing, 
Amen. When you're watching your car get repossessed, when you're watching your home, they put the lock on it in foreclosure. When, when all this going on, can you still give them thanks? Can you still let them know that you're still my God? This just means you set me up for something better. Amen. This just means that, that there's another house on the way. There's another house coming. There's another car coming. Another better relationship is coming. Another friendship is coming. All these different things that the enemy thinks that he's stealing, God is just saying, look, I'm going to work it out for your good. Amen. So, Colossians 3, 15 through 17. Colossians 3, 15 to 17. I just gave him kudos. I love you, Jason. And let the peace, here we go, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to that which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful, thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and in spiritual songs, singing with great grace in your hearts to the Lord. Amen. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks, once again, Giving thanks and uh, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him, Amen. Supplication, appreciation, all that helps us have a secure mind, helps us to not worry and help us not to get in despair because these things going to help us with the reboot, Amen. And what I love too, Father God enjoys hearing His children say thank you. I don't know about you, I love when my kids, you know, you meet their need. I don't know for a father, that's awesome. You know, I don't know, you know. I'm still learning and I'm still growing with this fatherhood and grandfatherhood stuff. So when your kid calls and say, Dad, I need something, you're like, um, I don't have it. Then you say, Look, Raymond, give me some time. I get back to you. Then all of a sudden you figure it out, you meet their need, you still okay. Then all of a sudden they say, Thank you, Dad. All of a sudden you just melt like oh. <laughs> all right, what, what can I do next? You know, grandson, what you need, what you need, you know. Daughter, you know, what you need, I got you. Because just to hear that word, thank you, means so much. Because sometimes we just take for granted all the things that God has blessed us with and even all the things that we have, amen? Because because many of us are, are spoiled, I'm just going to be honest. A lot of us got things that we, you know, don't really need, but we got them. And God has just been blessing us, you know, over and over and over again. But we can't get so caught up in the things, not to give God thanks for them. Amen? So in everything, give thanks. Amen? And God loves to hear us say thank you. Amen? Also, we find in Luke chapter 11, chapter 17, you don't have to turn to it, Jason, but in Luke 17, um, the 10 lepers, um, they were, uh, God, Jesus was walking along the highway and they asked um, to be healed. Um, Jesus tells them that go their way, and as they went their way, that they would be healed. And only one recognized as he went away that he was healed, but only one came back to give God thanks and to thank God for saving him. And what did God do with that part? And this, what I love about this is that when the one came back, Jesus says that your faith has made you whole. Amen? So now not only are you can see now, but now I'm going to make you whole. Amen. You got to understand about being made whole. See, when Jesus does a thing, he just don't want to do it halfway. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to just take, you know, I'm not going to just take some things away. I'm going to make you 
whole. So because this gentleman came back and gave God uh, praise and a thanks, God says that not only am I going to heal your situation, but now I'm going to make you whole. Amen. And when the gentleman, they, the Bible says that he just begin to praise God because he thanked them. Amen. That's what we got to do. When we get blessings from God, we got to thank them. Even in the small blessings, just give them thanks. Give them glory. Give them honor. Amen. Even if it's just a pack of oodles and noodles, give them thanks. I just found out that's even worse. Uh, it's bad for you, amen. I, I'm t I was a teenager tearing them up, and I just read something the other day that it takes like three days to get through your system, and I'm like, yeah. But I'm glad the Oodles and Noodles days are over, amen. Now they, it's like a little treat, you know, every now and then, like, ah, you know, let me get some Oodles and Noodles. But whatever it is, we got to give God thanks. We got to thank him for it, whether it's just hot dogs and beans. And I don't know if many people even eat that anymore. You know, coming growing up, you know, that was like weekly. You know, you had the little, little hot dogs and pork and beans, you know. Now we got them all fixed up. We got onions, green peppers and all that stuff. Back then, you just took the pork, the, the can and poured it in the pot and cut the hot dogs up. And there you go. But we got to thank him for it. When we get to the steak, we got to thank him for that. When we get cars, when we get houses, when we get clothes, whatever happened in our lives, this is what's going to help us have a secure mind when worry comes to try to, to intervene in our situation. Amen? So we got to have right praying to help with a secure mind. But also, you, 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 something else we got to have. We got to have right thinking. Amen? Now, after I come out of prayer, I got to have some good thinking. Amen? Because I can be thinking all warped. And we're thinking crazy, but I got to have a, a, a secure mind. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, uh, peace, uh, thou, wilt, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Isaiah 26 and 3. Wrong thinking leads to wrong feelings. <laughs> and before long, the heart and mind are pulled apart and we are strangled by worry. We must realize that the thoughts are real and powerful, even though they cannot be seen, weighed, or measured. <laughs> we must bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. Now, Jason, I'm not sure if you can get this one. It's the one that says, so. Now, when I came across this, it really blessed me. It says, so a thought, reap an action. <laughs> so an action, reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap character. Sow character, you reap destiny. <laughs> now, you know, I know some of you guys are looking like, ah, that's just another saying. But you got to catch that. You sow a thought, you're going to reap action. So if your thought's saying that you're never going to amount to nothing, if your thought's saying that you can't make it, if your thought's saying I can't get a job because I don't have this or that, it's going to reap an action, and that action is going to be not in your best interest. So your thought pattern has to be right. God, I thank you. God, I know you're going to open up this. God, I know you're going to do this. So by me doing that, I'm reaping an action. And because I'm reaping an action, I'm going to reap a habit. And that habit is I'm going to thank you, God, whether I get it or whether I not. God, I'm going to have a habit that whatever is going on, I'm going to give you praise. I'm going to give you glory. And out of that is going to create your character. And your character is going to determine your destiny. Amen. So your right thinking has to be right. So after we come out of prayer, and, and now we're going to go into thinking. 
in the thinking, we want our minds to be right. The Bible, uh, uh, not the Bible, but the next verses say, Paul spells out the, in detail the things we ought to think about as Christians. Whatever is true. Dr. Walter Cavert reported a survey wor- uh, reported a survey on worry that indicated that only 8% of things people worried about were legitimate matters of concern. In this study, only 8% of the things we really worried about was legitimate. The other 92% were either imaginary, never happened, or involved matter- matters over which the people had no control Anyway, isn't that awesome? It's letting me know that 90% of, 92% of the things that we either we make up, never happen, or involve matters over which the people had no control. Satan, Satan is a liar. In John 8, 44, it tells us that how he's a liar. It says, yeah, have God said is the way he approaches us just as he approached Eve. Yea, have God said so. This is how he gets in your mind, the devil. He comes in and he, he's flipping the word and he, he gets your mind all messed up. And before you know it, you're doing things or acting a certain way all based upon that thought that you let get in from that uh, bad thinking. It says the Holy Spirit controls our minds through truth. John 17 and 17 tells us that. But the devil tries to control the mind through lies. Amen. God controls the minds through truth. It says, sanctify them through the truth. That word is truth. Now, 1 John 5 and 6 says, but the devil tries to control the mind through lies. It says, this is he that came by water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood, and it is the spirit that beareth witness because the spirit is truth. Amen. So you cannot find any truth in the devil or Satan. Amen. Well, they're the same, but you can't find no truth in them. Amen. So then we encourage as we continue on, whatever is honest and just, this means worthy of respect and right thinking. There are many things that are not respectable and Christians should not think about these things. This does not mean we hide our heads in the sand and avoid what is unpleasant and displeasing. But it does mean we do not focus our attention on dishonorable things and permit them to control our thoughts. Amen. So whatever is honest and just that we read in the scripture, those are the things that we're going to think on. And, and, and then Paul not only just leaves you there, but then he tells you what to think on. He says, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely and of good report, these are the things you should think on. Pure probably refers to moral purity, since the people then as now were constantly attacked by temptations of sexual immoralities. Lovely means beautiful, attractive, of good report, means worth talking about, appealing the believer must major on the high and noble things, not the base thoughts of this corrupt world. Amen. Then it goes on to say whatever possesses virtue and praise, if it, is, if it has virtue, it will motivate us to do better. And if it has praise, it is worth commending to others. No Christian can afford to waste his mind and his thoughts on things that will tear down what God is trying to build up 
in our hearts and in our minds. If you compare this list to David's description of the word of God in Psalms 19, 7 through 9, you don't have to go through it. The Christians who fills his heart and the mind with God's word will have a built-in radar for de detecting wrong thoughts. Great peace have they which love the law. Right thinking is the result of daily meditation on the word of God. Amen. Seems like I missed something, and it was something that I really wanted to talk about. Uh, and it was talking about how Daniel, I must have, uh, didn't print that page, but it talked about how Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, how uh, he was in trouble for his praying. That how, because he was praying, his friends went to the king, and the king made a mandate that, that no one can pray. But yet, Daniel still went and prayed. And because he went and prayed, and, and listen to what he says in his prayer. It says, now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened, and his chamber toward Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees, therefore, and kneeled on his knees three times a day, and prayed, and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Once again, before. Once again, once before. So now he's saying that, uh, that, that I'm going to still pray even though it's a mandate for me to stop praying and to stop giving thanks. I'm going to still do it. And because of this, he found himself in the, the lion's den. And what I love about this, and we pray close right here. What I love about this, about Daniel, is while in the lion's den... Amen. Now you talk about worrying. Wouldn't you be worried? Wouldn't you, wouldn't you be like fighting? Like, look, man, I'm out. I'm going. I'm gone. I'm, you know, this, I'm not going to survive this one. But Daniel never said nothing. Daniel, they put him in the lines then. They closed the door. They locked it all up tight and everything. But what got me about this was while Daniel was in the lines then, you know who was worried? The king. They said the king couldn't sleep. He couldn't, he, couldn't, he couldn't get himself together. Music wouldn't help him. He was trying to figure out. And who was the first one running to the, the door in the morning was the king. Not, they, the Bible says Daniel, it didn't say the Bible, but what I've read and what, I, what I'm encouraged about, it says that Daniel just took a rock and just sat on down. In the midst of his trouble, in the midst of his storm, the lions never even approached him. Never even came close to him. Now, you're talking about worry. I, I get a little worried when a little mutt dog, you know, run around. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. But yet, you know, you're talking about a lion. You know, you're in a lion's den, and you can stay calm in a lion's den. Now, that's God. Now, that's the spirit of God, and that's trust to know that God is going to bring you through. So what happens? He, you know, the king comes, and uh, uh, Daniel is alive. And he began to acknowledge uh, Daniel's God, and they began to celebrate the fact that Daniel was alive. But what I loved about that was simply this. And let's us know that when we in the fiery storm, when we going through the trial that we probably think is the worst of our lives, the Bible says, don't worry, but take comfort in my joy. Take comfort in who I am. Take comfort that I'm going to be there with you. Take comfort and know that I'm going to ride this storm out with you. Amen. So Daniel wasn't alone. And I don't know, and it's not probably, but I can just imagine that in the midst of that storm, you can hear Jesus with them because the reason why I say Jesus was with them because when, the, when the, the four Hebrew boys was thrown into the fire, they said the fourth man in the fire resembled that of the son of, of Christ. Amen. So it probably Christ just sitting there with them. 
and just looking at the lions, you know, hey, how you guys, you know, how you guys doing today? You know, you going to stay right there. I'm in control. The king of kings is right here in the midst of my son's storm. Nothing is going to come near him. And that goes right back to to Philippians 4 and 7, that I'm going to guard you. I'm going to guard your hearts, and I'm going to guard your minds, that I'm not going to let nothing come through that's going to cause you to, to, to get out of my spirit or to get away from me. Amen? So I'm excited about that, and I'm excited to tell you today that reboot your joy. Amen? Simply reboot. Amen? Re, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Amen. Don't let the enemy steal your joy. Don't let him get in your mind and, and mess you all up. But rejoice. Amen. Rejoice in the good times. Rejoice in the bad times. No. Know without a doubt that God is going to bring you out. Know without a doubt that God is on your side. Amen. So just push the button. Amen. That's, how, that's the way I'm looking at it. And that's the way. It's like, God, I don't I figure this out. Every time I feel like my joy is getting, or getting a little weak, I'm going to push an imaginary button. I'm going to reboot. I'm going to restart this joy y'all once had. I want to go back to the day that I first saw you, first when you first came into my heart. I want that joy again. So I need to push this button right now because I need to reboot because I want to rejoice. And rejoice, I say. Again, I say rejoice. Amen. Amen. Are you excited about being re- Are you what? Do you want to be rejoiced? Amen. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory. I tell you, I don't know about you, but I'm so excited about what God can do. What, how God can take a nothing and make something out of him. I'm so God, glad that when everything that they say is taken from you, God says, no, it's, that's not taken from you. I, I just need a little bit more time. I just need you to get closer to me. I just need you to understand that I'm in control because in life you're going to have some things, some circumstances where you're going to need to know that I'm in control and you can't do it your way. See, sometimes... You can stand to your feet because we done. Sometimes you can mess things up instead of trusting God. So what God is, when he takes us through the different things in life, that he's just orchestrating them to bring us closer to him. He just wants us to trust him. He just wants us to know that, that, that I, can't, I can't put my faith in the money. Because how many know that money is funny sometimes? Amen. So you can't put your faith in money. You can't put your faith in, in, in cars and in homes, but if you put your faith in God, you can go to bed and sleep good. Amen? Now, that's for me because I've been worrying lately, and I've been, like, up 2, 3, 4 in the morning, and as I was preparing this message, God says, now, you're going to go encourage them people. Now, now what you going to do about your sleep? Amen? I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to take comfort in knowing that he's going to bring you out. Amen? Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for just your spirit that's alive in this house on today. God, we pray that something was said to encourage all of our hearts. And God, we want to rejoice and again rejoice because we know that as we rejoice in you, that all our comfort and all our needs and everything that we have need of, you're going to meet and you're going to do for us, oh God. So God, once again, we thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Philippian church. And we know that he was in bonds and he was in bondage when he wrote this, but yet he wanted us to take courage. He wanted us to be encouraged and he wanted us to fight the good fight of faith because at the end of it, we win. So God, we thank you once again for this scripture and we will rejoice and we will take happiness in your works in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Rejoice for the steps.
of a righteous man. They are ordered by God. Amen. 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 Truly, we just thank God for his word. At this time, we want to prepare our hearts for communion. Um, first, as I look out, there's, um, there's anyone that's in the house that, that would like to accept Jesus as their personal savior. The floor is open to you. As I look out, many of us in here are saved and have accepted Jesus as our personal savior.